I have really been enjoying these uh, last few weeks as we've looked at the role of submission and what it means to trust in Jesus as our living hope. And one of the things that I've noticed over the past two weeks is we've talked about um, submitting to authority in society and then submitting in our workplace to our authorities there, whether they're good bosses or bad bosses that things have just gotten from big picture to sort of medium-sized picture. And today, things are going to, to really hit home because submission also matters in the home, specifically when it comes to marriage. Now, that's a big deal, and that can be a pretty tricky word, and we're going to try and tackle that a little bit. But let me tell you why it's important to talk about that. Because what this pandemic has done is it's actually raised some of the anxiety that has existed beneath the surface in a lot of marriages. It's amplified issues that have been sort of dormant or you've been able to gloss over because you've been able to get out of the house and maybe away from each other as husband and wife. But now you're kind of stuck with each other. It was just right around the beginning of April that Time Magazine re uh, wrote an article that said uh, after the COVID-19 cases uh, kind of wound down in China, there was an explosion of people seeking divorce right after the pandemic and the lockdown was over. Um, we read, uh, I read an article in uh, uh, Times Magazine that said that uh, spending that much time together as husband and wife uh, in the same space, uh, what it was doing was it was magnifying existing inequalities uh, that were easier to ignore when most of your waking hours were spent somewhere else, maybe at work or getting to and from work. So I recognize that this is actually a very big deal. And we've started from the really big picture and we've gone down to sort of a medium-sized picture. And now we're going to talk about something that if you're married, hits close to home. And if you're wondering, well, I'm not married, or I was married and now I'm not, my, my goal today and my hope today is not to make you feel like, wow, marriage is hopeless, or wow, I was a total failure at my marriage. I am not interested in trying to uh, make you feel guilty about what things have happened in the past. But hopefully, this gives all of us a picture of whether you've come from marriage or whether you are thinking about marriage or marriage is a long way off of something that you need to be looking for in yourself before you think about what is it that I want in a spouse. Now, what I mean by that is this. There's a counseling trick that I learned when it comes to premarital counseling. And I, I borrowed it from Andy Stanley, uh, who is the pastor of North Point Community Church and of North Point Ministries. And uh, it, so it's, I don't know if it's original to him, whether he stole it from someone else, but I'm stealing it from him. And it's this counseling trick. Whenever someone comes in and says to me that, uh, I, I want to talk to you about my marriage. We're kind of in a bad spot and, uh, I just need some help. What I typically do is I then uh, take a, a piece of paper we get charts and graphs today. Uh, I take a piece of paper and I draw a circle. Let's let's pretend that's a circle and not a potato or an egg. Uh, 
But what I then do is I then hand it to the person who's asking for counseling and I say, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to divide this into two portions. Think of this like a pie. So I want you to divide this into portions and I want you to kind of take out the slice that you would say, this is my part of the problem. This is what I'm doing that's maybe making the marriage kind of difficult at this time. Here's my kind of responsibility. And what most people do is what Krista drew and they draw in just a little tiny slice of pie like that. And what they're saying is in the counseling session is that this much of the pie is the other person's fault. And I know that that's what they're coming to talk about. They want to fix the other person. But what I tell them up front is this. We're just going to talk about this piece of the pie because you're the one who's here. So Krista is going to help me today to talk about the wife's piece of the pie and the husband's piece of the pie. And fair warning, as we've said all through this series, submission is one of those words that kind of automatically raises those defenses. And especially as we talk about submission at home, it can get difficult. But here's the key. What we're talking about when we're talking about submission in this context is all through these last two weeks, as we've looked at Jesus as our living hope from the book of First Peter, is simply that. Is simply this, that Jesus realized that submission to God's will, even though it caused him personal suffering and personal difficulty, could always be used by God for his glory, for his purposes, and for our blessings and for our benefits. That is the message of the gospel. Jesus suffered and he even died. But then God saw that, saw that he was obedient to him and raised him from the dead. And look at the benefit that we've gained because of his death and because of his resurrection. And that's the view that we're to have of submission. I know this is a very tricky passage. I know this is a very tricky subject, but we're going to explain to you what our, our roles are, what our piece of the pie really is. Are you ready? Here we go. Let's take a look at 1 Peter chapter 3, and this is what we read. Wives, in the same way, submit to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. So there you have it. That means that you now call me Lord every time you see me, right? That's that's what this is saying, right? No. No. That's not what this is saying. So what is it saying? So what this is saying is that wives can submit to their husbands because godly character is persuasive. Let's just say this up front. This is a struggle for many wives and for women in general. It's one of the main reasons marriage is hard. 
It doesn't seem fair. I've struggled with the idea in this passage myself many times. There's a lot of, but what about this situation? Or what about my situation that we bring to this passage? We think of the worst possible scenarios that can happen in a marriage. But this is talking about how we want to influence our husbands for God, not the degree of severity of their sin. As it warrants, there are some sinful situations that need intervention or maybe even separation for a time. But this is talking about our internal desire for control. Now, no woman, no wife wants to be a doormat. For generations, both in the church and outside the church, we have taken these verses out of context to be about who's in charge. The Bible is already clear that husbands are the head of the household. But let's also be clear that head of and in charge means less about authority and more about servanthood. Great leaders are servants. Jesus said that whoever would be great among us must be a slave. So this isn't the head being the boss. This is about how to have influence in the home, especially if your husband doesn't believe, but in all cases. How can we persuade our husbands when they don't follow God? We all know that nagging doesn't work, right? Right on. We're not the Holy Spirit. We all know people who are nags, and we know how annoying that can be. In fact, the book of Proverbs says it's better to live on the corner of a roof than with a nagging wife. So that's out. But some would say we can leverage our looks or our bodies to gain that influence to our advantage. Turn heads, capture hearts, be an influencer. It's a whole job now on Instagram. But there's something more persuasive even than that, and that's godly character. Godly character that comes from a growing relationship with Jesus. Over time, godly character is more persuasive than anything. Persuasion from being attractive creates manipulation, while persuasion from godly character creates trust. Hmm. Imagine you're getting ready for a job interview. You have on your nicest interview outfit. Your hair is perfect. Nothing's out of place. You've got your eyelashes glued on. You're looking amazing. You look great, not just for the interview, but you're ready to celebrate when you get the job. You show up for the interview, and you're asked about your qualifications. And you say, this is my qualification. That's ridiculous, right? right? Nobody does that. And if you did that, you would probably be laughed right out of the interview. I mean, where I work, we're all about experience, education, um, and character, right. right? So why does Peter feel the need to even say one word about the outer appearance of a woman? Because we tend to focus on how we look because it's one way to get positive affirmation. And let's face it, it's one way that we can influence people as women. Um, we get a lot of messages about how to do that in our culture today even. But you know what? Beauty fades and character lasts, like Peter says in this passage. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't want to be pretty. We all like to feel attractive. There is nothing wrong with looking nice for yourself or for your husband. Amen. Preach it. It's just not what gives you your worth in your relationship. Your man shouldn't listen to you because of how you look, but because you know what's right. Or rather, you know who's right. And that comes from godly character that comes from a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. That's, that's really well said. And Peter goes on to say that 
husbands, we have something to do as well. He says this in chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So what Peter is saying to us husbands is this, that we should respect our wives as our equals because they are co-heirs in the gospel. And when he says how we treat them as our equals, he says we are to be considerate of them and respectful of them. And this carries a lot heavier weight than we might imagine. Peter knows, and it doesn't take a theology degree to understand that Men are different than women. If all things are equal, if a man and a woman, a husband and wife are perfectly fit, perfectly healthy, the odds are that the man is physically stronger than the woman. The husband is physically stronger than the wife. He says that in this text, but he's also talking about social inequality. And back in his day, women just didn't have the same weight. They didn't carry the same load as men did in, in cultural issues, in, in political issues, in economic issues. There was just a, a difference. And even today, all across the world, you see that there are differences in the way that men may have influence in society and economics and politics uh, as compared uh, to women. So what he's saying, though, is something that us men are, well, we're still struggling to learn today. We've, we've come a long way, but we've still got a long way to go. Us husbands still need to learn some lessons, and that is this. Influence does not determine significance. Influence does not determine significance. And our wives are significant, Peter says, not because we chose them, not because they're our wives, or not because they're the daughter of what family they came from, but because they're the daughters of the Most High. And as a matter of fact, Peter calls them co-heirs. In other words, they gain value not from your marriage to them, but because of their following Jesus Christ. They've been redeemed by God. They are co-heirs. They are equal partners in the gospel. And that means this, your wife's status in God's family is what determines her status in your family. Your wife's status in God's family is what determines her status in your family. She is equal. She is a co-heir. Imagine a friend was to invite you over to their home and were to pull out a, an old scruffy baseball. And it was encased in a cube, a glass, to protect it. But you looked at it and said, this baseball's all beat up, it's scuffed up, it's dirty, it's scratched. And it looks like there may be some pen marks on it, like uh, someone signed it. But you can't tell because, I mean, you could more easily read a pharmacist's signature or a, or a script more than you can whatever is on this ball. And your friend holds it with high regard and you say, so what is this? And he says, oh, it's a, it's a ball that was used by Babe Ruth. It was in a game back when he played where he not only pitched, but this ball he actually hit a home run with. 
So this is an amazing ball. It's an amazing piece of sports memorabilia. And you go, oh, come on. You can't, you can't even tell what's on this ball. And so he goes into another room and comes back with a certificate of authenticity. And it says that it's been analyzed by experts. And it says that this is the ball that Babe Ruth used to pitch and also hit out of the ballpark for a home run. That's what gives it value. That's what Peter is saying, is what gives your wife the value that you should show her. That she is special, not because that she's married to you, not because that you chose her, that you won her, that you have authority in any way, but because she is a co-heir in Christ. Now, we may think that we already do that. We think that we already show that to other people. But guys, just husbands, let's just slow down for a second and think, do we really show and treat our wives like they're co-heirs with Christ? We may think we already do this, but there's a joke that goes around that says, well, honey, I told you that I loved you yesterday. It's still true today. Why would I have to say it again? There's a reason why we have to be told this, and that's because we don't show our wives that special kind of respect, that special kind of honor that starts with understanding who they are in Christ before who they are with us. And if we don't get this right, it pays a heavy toll on our spiritual lives. If you get this wrong, Peter says, your prayers are hindered. So let's be clear on what this means. Let that sink in. Husband, the way that you pray is affected by the way that you respect your wife. Those things that you prayed for, safety for your family, safety for your job, a good income, good health, the salvation of your extended family and friends, the health and, and growth of your church can be affected by the way that you think of and respect your wife. And it starts with respecting her as a co-heir with Christ. So husbands, respect your wife as your co-heir. She's more valuable than you can imagine. Well, hey, as we wrap up, those are some pretty deep thoughts, and we want to give you some questions to consider as we go forward. So here's some questions to take with you to discuss uh, that you'll be discussing in your online growth groups. Uh, but more importantly, we ask you to discuss this uh, with your spouse or to write these answers down in your journal. Here they are. Question one. What do you find challenging about your piece of the pie with regard to submitting to or respecting your spouse during this season in your life? Or, question two, if you aren't married, what positive examples of submitting and respecting do you see from your married friends? And three, ask your spouse for their input on how you are doing with your piece of the pie. So there you have it. You have submission in three ways. Submission in society to authorities. Submission at our work to our authorities there. And submission and respect in our homes because they're authorities 
there as well. You know what that is? That's the bullseye of faith. Wives, submitting with godly character changes your husband. Husbands, respecting your wives like the heiress that they are opens the door for your prayers. Let me pray for you. Lord, this is a tough passage because we want to focus on our spouse's piece of the pie. We want to focus on where we want them to change. But Lord, this is calling us to change as wives and as husbands. And so I pray that you would help us do that. Lord, I pray that you would help our our wives and that you would help wives to really focus on the godly character uh, that you want for them in all ways as they follow Jesus Christ, even in the areas of submitting. I pray, Lord, that you would give them wisdom in how to do that well uh, in a way that builds godly character and allows that to shine and allows that to influence their husbands. And Lord, I pray for husbands that you would help us to respect our wives and to see them as who they are in Jesus Christ before we see them in any other way. Lord, I pray that you would help us to submit and respect well. We pray this in Jesus' name.